Thanks for taking the time to listen to this NHS Employers podcast. For all the latest NHS HR workforce information, visit www.nhsemployers.org. Welcome to this podcast. Um, I'm here with uh, Dean Royals, who's uh, Chief Exec of NHS Employers, and Professor Kerry Cooper from Robertson Cooper and um, Lancaster University. My name's Gordon Tinline. I'm a director with Robertson Cooper and a business psychologist. The um, theme we're here to discuss is emotional well-being, uh, both generally in terms of why it's important, what it means um, to, well, to, to, to individuals and employers, I guess, uh, and obviously, specifically within the context of the NHS, why it's an area of focus right now. So I'd like to actually ask you both individually just to say a little bit to kick us off around the area. I mean, what, what, do, you, what do you think of when we talk about emotional well-being and why is it so important? Kerry, can you start? Yeah, I think why it's important is since 2008, we have both in the public and the private sector fewer employees, they're feeling more job insecure, they're doing more work, they're working longer hours. So the issue about emotional uh, well-being, resilience, stress has become very prominent. So if you take a look at the sickness absence figures nationally, both in the public and the private sector, although muscular skeletal diseases are still high, backache and the like, about half of that is what we call psychosocial factors, stress factors. In other words, it's easier to admit you have backache than say you're under stress or have depression. And so stress, depression, anxiety, the common mental disorders are the leading cause of sickness absence. So this is really important for uh, UK PLC, for the NHS, for all, all employers right now. And it's about how we manage people's emotional resilience, emotional health, I think it's become really important because we have fewer people. And managers themselves, whether it's in the NHS or in the private sector, under more stress than ever before to deliver the bottom line with fewer people. And so you can see why this has become much more important than it was prior to 2008. Great. Dean, what's your opening take on this? Well, my, from my perspective, building on uh, what uh, Kerry was saying is, um, you know, the bottom line in the NHS is patient care. So what I'm interested in is what is it that we can do that's going to improve uh, patient care. So um, when we look at the the world after things like the Mid-Staffordshire review where there's been this incredible focus on culture, organisational culture, we know that culture is the, you know, the the, the some parts of the organisation, the behaviours that people exhibit. And just my experience of work is that where people enjoy work, uh, they're more likely to give themselves and give that extra discretionary effort and, uh, you know, and if if they're doing that and feeling engaged with their work and feeling supported, then they're going to give better patient care. So, so this is something that makes intuitive sense to me about feeling emotionally well, that you're, you're, you're going to give of your best. But I know that there's an increasing amount of, of evidence base that supports that as well. So one of the things I'm keen to do as an employer's organisation uh, is work with, uh, with organisations that have got that expertise so we can bring that expertise into the NHS and we can show the business cases sort of academically sound as well as intuitively sound. Okay. And... The, the message around emotional well-being and why, why it's important in terms of the consequences, I mean, is it about trying to create a more positive case than we've had in the past? What I, what I mean by that is clearly we've known for a long time about the links between stress and sickness absence, and that's still an issue. Um, but actually, is there a lot more to it than that in terms of positive behaviours, how people interact with each other. What's your take on that, Dean? Yeah, well, it's, it seems to me absolutely right that we want to uh, do things that uh, limit the sort of stress and anxiety in an organisation because that's going to make it a better place 
to uh, to work. Uh, but when when you when you speak to people that are really enjoying their work, that's when you know that they're going that yeah. that that sort of extra mile. That's where they're smiling and enjoying and having fun in the work that they do. And that, and that's still important in an organisation like the NHS because although we've got staff that do some incredibly challenging things, that sort of sense of job satisfaction that comes out of from a job well done because they 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 know that they're they're, they're working to the uh, to the limits of what they're capable of doing, and uh, then then we can get a better sort of work environment. I think that that's get picked up by patients, get picked up by uh, colleagues, so we get better team working uh, coming in. So all that positive build, that positive reinforcement uh, of, of doing a job well mm. and that sort of job satisfaction. I mean, we, we spend an enormous amount of time at work and... Um, you know, th- those of us that enjoy work uh, you know how much more satisfying it is when your feelings are you making that sort of contribution. You, you know, it's funny, yeah. Dean, because when you look at the research, particularly in, in healthcare, and you look at the NHS, if you look at the job satisfaction scores, people working in the NHS are very job satisfied, which is really an irony, yeah. but they're stressed at the same time. Yeah. So the issue is, how do we kind of deal with that? But you're absolutely right, because it ultimately comes down to the patient, doesn't it? Patient care is about how the team is reacting. If you really enjoy your job, you're going to go the extra mile. And you see it all over the NHS. There are pockets of bad practice and there are great pockets of good practice where people are doing. So how do we capture the good? How do we? But I think it's also what does the individual do? So it's all about the managers and how we get them geared up to understand that building teams and everything else ultimately hits the bottom line, which is patient care, compassion, yeah. and the rest of it. But it's also what does the individual do to contribute to this as yeah. well? And, and Or how do we help the individual? So it's both the organizational and the individual. Yeah. I think that's an important theme, actually, isn't it? Maybe one we can explore a little bit, because obviously what, uh, the work that we're doing at Robertson Cooper now with, with NHS employers is partially around trying to build some better tools for, for people so that day-to-day they can access those in a practical way and they can they can help their own emotional well-being and in a sense it's helping them to help themselves. That's an interesting balance. I mean, what's your take on this, Dean, in terms of, for employers, what should their focus be? Is it around doing big splash initiatives? Is it around trying to focus in where particular problems are, are real and experienced? What, what's your take on, on how, you, how employers should, should think about addressing this now? Well, I... Uh, you know, from, from my from my perspective, um, what we want to do as an employers organisation is um, uh, that we want to promote good people management in all its forms, and that might be about you know giving good and meaningful appraisals. It might be you know how you can get good and effective team working. It's it's good and proper uh, line management. But there's something in this sort of uh, emotional well-being sense to me, which is you know can we support uh, organisations and managers in particular about how they could. Um, you know what? What behaviours do they need to exhibit that's going to sort of be helpful in the workplace effectively? And then how can they? Um, you know what? What tools do they need to help them uh, enhance that in the workplace? Is it something that's measurable? You know, can you measure improvements in this area? Yeah. You know, are, are there sort of checklists and that sort of thing that we can do? So, uh, you know, as an employers' organisation, we're very much about trying to provide you know practical help and support. So absolutely right that we've got a good business case. Uh, behind it, but then what is it in practical terms that uh, that managers can do, and, and that's why we're keen to sort of work with uh, Robertson Cooper about this area, so we can we can you know just provide that practical support in the the area. I think the business case yeah. isn't so yeah. much to. I mean, yeah. we can fi- do the business case yeah. because I mean it's there, and there's a, quite a lot of evidence in the NHS and elsewhere. I think that's less problematic. It's a, how do you said something really interesting? How do we make it more fun? Yeah. You know, when you go to work, you work, you spend more of your. Bl- uh, your I'm sorry, I was ready to say something here. You spend more of your waking hours at work than you do at home. Well, we have talked about positive emotions here, so so that has to come into the equation, really, doesn't it, in terms of how do we help people to enjoy what they're doing? We can, my worry is, we can sickness, absence, manage people 
And I don't think that's the way to go. By that, I mean, okay, here's what we're going to do. And there was an automobile company, for example, a number of years ago, which said that if you don't, uh, we'll put you in a draw for a free Ford car if you, uh, if you don't have any sickness absence the following year, right? And it did go down that year, right? But then when you stop it, look what happens. Yeah. Yes. I mean, this, that's not the way to go, I don't no. think. I think, how do you build a culture that people yeah. want to enjoy their job, the enjoyment and the job so, satisfaction? So, so, it is, so it is about that culture, and you said yeah. that right, right at the outset. And, and I guess a lot of it still comes down to the management relationship and the, and the line manager relationship. What do you see, Dean, as the key challenges in the NHS? And, and I'm particularly thinking about... Um, I've, I've still got a gap to bridge between managers and clinicians um, in, in this area when it comes to thinking about people at the best, people feeling good about what they're doing yeah. and seeing the benefits of that really. No, ab- absolutely. I mean, the, the, the NHS is, uh, is one of those uh, places, I think, where um, you know, we can get into a sort of uh, vicious circle of um, you know, uh, analysing the sorts of problems that we've got at the moment. So uh, you know, managers blame staff, uh, staff blame managers, mm-hmm. uh, we all blame politicians and that's the only time we all seem happy when we're uh, when we're doing it uh, you know so uh, uh, you know but in that in that sort of context I mean the, the, the sort of thing that's uh, very evident to me as I go around uh, the NHS is the vast majority of our line managers the vast majority of our people managers are also clinicians and they're often also carrying a clinical workload you yeah. know so yeah. things like uh, ward managers or the head of physiotherapy services or the, or the chief pharmacist you know these are these are technical experts as well as trying to deliver yeah. uh, management so so the things that we can do to support them mm. And then uh, talk about that sort of shared endeavour. You know, whether you're a manager, a politician, or a member of staff, one of the things that we're all trying to do in the NHS is to provide better patient care. And I think that's a sort of unifying sure. uh, point that we can get. You know, whether you're a clinician or whether you're uh, working in, uh, you know, the catering department or uh, you know facilities, we're all contributing in some way to to patient care. And if we can get that sort of more collegiate uh, sort of sense of working in the organisation and, and, and having fun in it. I mean, you know, we all sit here talking about uh, stuff exactly. that we're interested in in a, in a fun way and uh, you know wanting to sort of in, in, enjoy uh, the job of work that we do and that's exactly the same in the in the workplace despite the fact that people are working in you know pretty challenging environments I mean these, these aren't always uh, fun and happy places it's, but they're it's places where you show that compassion and, yeah, and, and, right. and, that, and, and, and to do that I think people have got to feel well and, and, yeah. and sort of comforted in the job of work that they're is, doing Is one of the issues that sometimes given I mean I, I remember once talking to quite a senior politician a few years ago who was responsible for health and we were talking and uh, we had a little meeting with her and, and a couple You're of narrowing us, it down now. Uh, yeah, I'm narrowing it down. Sorry about that. <laughs> and one of the things I remember the three or four of us who were there invited to, 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 to discuss this issue were talking about, we all came up with the same idea that everybody thinks of the NHS as like a, a tanker, an oil tanker, rather than a, a flotilla of small ships all heading. That's the port we want to go to. And how you get to that port how the ship gets that port is its business. Yeah. In other words, this is a trust. This is a, any kind of unit within yeah. the NHS. And I think in the past, my feeling has been the NHS has always tried to say, I don't think it is so much anymore, but I don't think it should yeah. be either. You know, let's go. We're all going to go that way. Yeah. And that's not the way to go. And I think giving people autonomy, giving trusts autonomy, giving units autonomy is the way you kind of so build trust. It. Trust becomes a key part of this, doesn't it? I mean, I was struck by thinking about even this fun aspect and helping people to open up and obviously what happens in hospitals can't always be fun, that, that, that's obvious, but it strikes me that what's in this is is helping people to, to feel open and maybe less defensive. I, I wonder, Dean, whether one of the things that we have 
got a potential issue with now in the NHS is an overly defensive culture. And it's not a surprise when you look at some of the things that people are dealing with yeah. post-Francis and so on. Do you see what I'm saying? Is, is there a risk that actually what we're trying to do around emotional well-being is in part is to help people feel open they up, trusted, be able to say they can what be they open, think they, they can be who yeah. they are. Yeah. But sometimes we've still got an organisational climate where that they feel that's very difficult. Any comment? On that? No, I, I would uh, I, I would agree. I mean, it's it's really hard uh, to have a mature debate about the NHS at the moment. You know, this has been a, yeah, an, an, an incredible. Yeah, it, it has. You know, and, and and the press scrutiny, I think, in particular, has been enormous uh, during the course of this year. So, so part of the problem that you get is um, if you if you talk about some of the challenges and the problems the NHS faces, then you get uh, you know uh, accused of attacking a well loved uh, institution for some form of personal gain. Uh, if you talk about the good things the NHS does, you know, we've just talked about, I mean, there's been some good stuff survey results uh, that, that are sort of coming through. But if, but if you talk about those, then people say, well, it's You're just, just trying to justify it. And you don't understand the size of the problem. And, you know, this is, you know, uh, exactly why we've got the problem, because people don't understand. But the how do you cope with that, Dean? That, to me, is an yeah. issue. Because if, if the press is looking for the bad case yeah. scenario that occurs in a particular trust, yeah. it creates bad atmosphere. Yeah. I mean, the morale can't be good. Yeah. I'm not talking about mid-staffs, I'm talking about anywhere. No, Just one case of something yes. happening. I yeah. mean, even the lead stuff recently, which yeah. eventually they cleared. It wasn't good on compassion, but it was good on, yeah. on, on actual surgery. Yeah. And and how do, you, how do you overcome that? I mean, that's yeah. really important because otherwise, because you are, in a sense, the NHS is a political football. Yes, yeah, yeah. But it's but it's it speaks back to your sort of analogy of the flotilla, really. You know, yeah. so um, when you when you look at the NHS, I think sometimes you you can look at it and, and think is you know is this one big massive organisation the NHS and you know is there a big organisational response? Sometimes it's better to look at the NHS and see it as a system. You know, it's a system yeah. of interrelated parts. Yeah. And then at other times, it, it's actually an industry. You know, and you, you need industry type solutions. And I think that the the sort this sort of health and well being, the the sort of you know e- emotional sort of side of this has to happen at that sort of local yeah. level. There is no top down solution that we can give to people to help them with teams. But what we can do is provide them support. And so do we need and, more emotionally literate managers? You know, yeah. by the way, I don't think it's just the NHS. Yeah. I mean, I think what what a problem the UK has in general is that we have a, a manager in place pre-2008. 2008, including the NHS, was getting enough money. Yeah. Uh, the private sector was doing very well, moving up like this. You know, you know, you could lose people. Labor turnover could yeah. be reasonably high. Who cares? You know, you can get a job. Now we have less people doing more work. Yeah. And you really need, in my view, much for emotional health of people, you need an emotionally literate, yeah. socially and interpersonally skilled manager. Yeah. So number one, I think we got to do some training there and selecting on that. I think when we have assessment centers in the NHS or whatever you have to yeah. select people, one bit of that should be, is this person yeah. a good manager? Do they manage by praise and reward and not fault yeah. finding? Do they build a team? Do I want to come to work? Is this fun? Can I go to have a cup of coffee with my manager and, and really enjoy it? I mean, it's got to be yeah. something like that. No, no, I, I, I agree. To, you know, and I think one of the sorts of things that we will be doing is, is looking much more about how we recruit for values and train for uh, yeah. uh, for skills. But um, uh, you know, to, to me, that, that there's something about you know, if if we sort of recognise that we're going to make the real difference at that sort of team and manager level, what is it that we we can do? You know, so can we do yeah. something? You know, in terms of making them uh, literate in that way, something that helps them define what emotional well-being is. You know, is can we can we develop some sort of measure that they can use that I helps think, them to 
of support well. staff. In terms of what we're trying to yeah. do with you, I think that that's part of the equation is, is, is defining it properly, not to produce an academic definition, yeah. but actually to understand what it means day in, day out. And I think part of that is when, you, when, it, when it gets to producing tools that people can use, yeah. we could produce a great toolkit, but no one would use yes. it. So we need to get into those relationships, don't we? We need yeah. to understand that dynamic, day in, day out, busy trusts, the dynamic between managers and staff at different levels and so on, between senior clinicians and staff, and say, well, how do you access stuff, this stuff and use it when you're already feeling swamped, overloaded and busy? One of the things i just ask you to comment on is, um, managers are the key to lots of this, but they're also incredibly overloaded a lot they of the time. Are, yeah. And we've got to provide the right tools and the right support for them so that they don't feel, here's another job, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So oh, now I'm responsible for their emotional well-being yeah. on top of everything else I've got to do. Mm. So it, one of the things I think we're going to have to try and focus quite hard on is how do we weave this in yeah. to what you already do and already is, is good practice. Yes. Do you, do you see that as, as, as something that, that's an obvious area for focus? Yeah, and, and I think that the, uh, the, the time is uh, right, really. I, I mean, I certainly think that um, you know, managers increasingly understand you know, to get the most out of people isn't about sort of you know, being authoritative and, and mm. um, you know, uh, you know, driving command people, control, command and control yeah. and that sort of thing. I mean, it's, uh, you know, there's times in the NHS when it's needed. You, know, you yeah. can imagine in the ambulance service sure, at road sure. traffic accidents or crises, any departments, but largely in terms of getting the best out of people. And I think increasingly people understand that. And then it's how we can provide them the help and the support to, to do that because they also know that if they get that right then they free up more time you know yeah. a, a lot of time is spent on dealing with sort of disenfranchised people or or, or folk that just aren't uh, you know happy in the job of work that they're doing and uh, you know that, that that draws managers into a lot of work if we if we can help them uh, do that better then they free uh, time up so it, it's that win-win-win you know you, you know you, you know against time, that Dean which yeah. what worries me and I always hear it when I see it in the press when somebody says it's usually a politician say yeah. something like the NHS has too many managers yeah. you know like you can get rid of all the managers of course it yeah. will function really great that, let's get frontline staff excuse yeah. me it'd how we it'd be total and absolute yes. utter chaos that's not really healthy is it yeah. it's not healthy for the image of managers in the NHS that somebody out there and quite a few politicians yeah. say this you know too many managers in the NHS uh, in fact we need really good managers yeah. in the NHS and guess what we'll get great patient care we'll get compassion we'll get everything yeah. teamwork we'll get it all so I, I think it, I think you're absolutely yeah, right. Isn't it? So so maybe part of the equation here is we've got to build the confidence of those managers and management yeah. confidence in NHS because they have been you know the whipping boys and girls for quite a long period of time. And then how do we acclaim them? Yeah. How do we make sure that you know we say in, in various hospitals you know Fred is really doing great. Not only is is the is the guy a clinician having to do some other kind of work. Yeah. A functional work, but he's also a manager yeah. or her, yeah. and it's, and they're doing a great job. And I think we have to, you know, the other thing that it just doesn't do is say enough about how good it is. Yeah. Why can't why can't he just go out? You know, we hear enough. The press is going to yeah. get at you anyway. <laughs> Politicians are going to get at the NHS. Why don't we really have good examples of all the good get, things you're get doing and get patients to say it? Yeah. 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 I mean, I think. Um, Obviously, what we're going to try and do here is, is important, but we don't want to be reinventing the wheel. So, so what I'm, where I'm going with this is, in part, it's about learning from what's already best practice in, in NHS. And there are areas where, it's, where people are doing really great work in this area. Just one, one I would highlight is, uh, from what we've done, is um, with the South West Yorkshire Partnership, um, the Mental Health Trust. And I think where they got it right 
was understanding that what lies at the core of this is the right conversation, the right conversation between managers and teams. And to do that, of course, you've got to give them language. You've got to help them understand what does this mean day in, day out, and how do you ensure you focus on the right things so that both staff felt like, okay, well, I know that if, if I've got issues around, around my well-being, there's a way of opening up a safe conversation with my manager here which isn't necessarily taking it through a formal process, yeah. which you know scares some people, doesn't it? But I know that my manager's ready to listen because they understand this as well. Do you see what I'm saying? To some degree, it's learning from what they did well and trying to pull from that yeah. and build it into a toolkit, really. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree when you've got that... Because uh, um, it, it, it is about conversations, isn't it? You know, the, the, the it is about open conversations, yeah. Yeah. fearless conversations, yeah. where you're not fearful of what somebody's going to, yeah. you know, because in, in the NHS, like outside the NHS, in, employees throughout the country, one in four yeah. currently are suffering from a common mental disorder, depression, anxiety, so it's generally, because that's, you know, work yeah. is much more pressured than ever before. So how do you, how can you say it? And, the, and you'd think in the NHS you could, yeah. but there's, there's still a stigma there to talk about the issues, the emotional issues you have. Yeah, no, there's, there's a lot, uh, I think a lot going on. I sort of, uh, I think about uh, this, uh, this whole idea about sort of parity of esteem around sort of, uh, you know, mental health uh, services and, and physical health. So I think we, we have been yeah. uh, much better, as it were, in terms of supporting people with physical health. Someone was telling me the other day about the, uh, uh, you know, that um, uh, they'd had cancer and, uh, you know, while they'd been off with cancer, uh, you know, they'd had flowers and visits from the organisation and all the other sorts of things that you would expect a good supportive organisation to, uh, yeah. to do and, and uh, got uh, covered and into remission. And then, unfortunately, uh, you know, with all those sort of experiences, uh, the mm-hmm. person went off with depression. And during the form of depression that they were off, no visits, no chocolates, it's no amazing, flowers, sorts of things. It's just a, a, an illness that people don't absolutely, see yeah, in quite yeah. the same way. So, so it's absolutely right that something culturally that we can do in the NHS opens up that debate, uh, uh, you know, as well. And I think then allows people to talk about, you know, my emotional health is important. You know, I want support in my emotional health uh, yeah. coming, coming in. Sure. I mean, I'd be interested, you know, yeah. Kerry, you always come across... Uh, you know, on the uh, the radio when you're doing these things, when I've seen you at sort of seminars as a, a sort of absolutely enthusiastic, but you know, you, you seem the epitome of emotional well-being. What is it that you oh do my that keeps you, gives you, you, that keeps you sound? Giving you your personal story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess, you know, yeah, when you, I know I came, well, to be honest with you, I came from Los Angeles, right? And when, and there I came from a working class background. And so I'm the first one to go to university. But one of the jobs I had, because Americans don't get grants yes. or, you know, loans, nothing. They have yeah. to work when they go to university. One of the jobs I had was working in Watts as a social worker, which is the black area of L.A. And I learned a lot from doing that. And I worked there a whole year while I was going doing uh, a degree. And I, and, I th- and I saw deprivation and everything else. And I was going to be a lawyer or an accountant or something like that. All my mates did, right? Yes. Uh, and then I just changed. I said, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. I, I want to you know, do something for other people. And funny enough, one of the reasons my closest friend there is from, Los An- is from England. And I still, we talk to each other every Sunday, him with his British accent, uh, calling from L.A. and me, But the interesting thing, but the interesting I, I, I thought, I learned a lot about England from him. And the, one of the reasons I came here was the NHS. Right. Uh, and the welfare system. Because I thought, what I saw as a social worker was appalling. Yeah. I saw people who couldn't go to a doctor just to get an antibiotic. They couldn't afford it. Right? Yeah. I saw poverty like nobody's business in a city like Los Angeles. Right? And it's still there. And I thought to myself, this is not what a civilized society should be. So the NHS means a lot to me personally, funny enough. Yes. And because of, of, of all the deprivation I saw. So now I have to put everything else in context. I say, what's important really is to back organizations like that 
and 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 because everybody thinks that being an American, you know, you'll get great medical care. You will if you have a lot of money. You certainly will, right? Or you'll be probably over-medicalized, by the way, yes. if you do. So I think the thing that keeps me thinking, moving is because I, I want to do something that helps people's health, whether it's in the NHS or private sector or whatever. makes me feel I'm doing something Well, it must make you feel the same way. Because you're, you know, you're looking after yeah. people who are looking after people's health. Yeah. And what's more important than health in your family? Nothing. They are the two biggies in life. We both enjoy our jobs, yep. don't we? Absolutely. We love our jobs, yeah. but you know what? In the end, that's the bottom line. Sure. There you go, personal story there. Um, just one thing I'd like to maybe finish on in, in terms of a theme is, I guess, how do we know if we're moving in the right direction? How do we know if we're making progress? And clearly, you know, the traditional indicator for the last 20 years has been to look at sickness absence, but that's only part of the equation, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. What else do we need to look at just to ensure we're moving, moving ahead with emotional well-being? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think we do some, uh, some good stuff in the, in the staff survey that gives us some indicators uh, around this, this area. So, so I agree with you. I mean, I, th I think what we've got is um, a sickness absence of the NHS has been uh, sort of falling, sometimes more slowly than we would like, but, you know, sort of falling over a, a period of time. Um, but there is a background anxiety about presenteeism, you know, is, is yeah. it falling, but people are sort of coming into work because they feel stress and anxiety. And certainly yeah. some of that comes through from the, yeah. the, the staff survey or the extent to which people feel as though they've got to stay uh, or feel obliged to stay to you know to sort of finish off work you know so some of those I think are measures that we can get in in through the uh, uh, the staff survey and then I quite like the stuff that we've that we've done uh, around. Um, uh, staff engagement indicators, you know, so those sorts of questions about would you recommend this as a place to work? Yeah. Well, if you're enjoying yourself at work uh, exactly. and you're feeling so you're supported yeah, yeah, and yeah. valued and that sort of thing, yeah. then you're going to say yes yeah. to that question, you know. So, so pay and money is important, and you know, we've been talking about pay uh, recently, but that sort of sense about you know, waking up in the morning and and sort of feeling upbeat because you're going in to do a job yeah. of work that's got yeah. meaning and you, you can make you a want to go in, you've got and, purpose, yeah. So, I, th so yeah. I think some of those, but, but I think that we could help. You know, you know, is, is there something that we could be doing about, you know, are there some sort of indicators that we could help local managers look at, say, is it making a difference to me and my team at uh, this time? Do I know Do I know that? So, you know, if we could come up with some sort of uh, supporting materials for, uh, for yeah. people and those sorts of toolkits that help them and, and, and feel intuitively right for them to use, and then I think that they'll be able to see that not only are they creating a sort of good place uh, to yeah. work, but it's making a difference to their staff and making a difference to patient care. Yeah. Do we have, uh, I mean, an another thing I think is important is always to reward success. Yeah. yeah. And I guess you're going to build that in, aren't you, Dean, somewhere along. Yeah. I mean, I just think that when there's really good practice, let's get it out there. Let's say that that hospital over there has really done a great job. That mental health trust has really done a fantastic job. You know, uh, you, I guess you must have award schemes, don't you? Yeah. yeah, in the NHS, and I think that's important. Yes. The more of those, the better. Yeah. I think, it's, and the more we get those out, the better, and show really, what good practice is. But it's also the behavioural reinforcement, isn't it? It's 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 day to day people being told they're doing a great job and understanding they're doing a great job, and um, I think in any any large system, it's easy to lose that, isn't it? Yeah. In terms in terms of overall, I think just one other thing on on measures and understanding the impact. Just some of the work we are now doing in the private sector. Um, with in financial services in particular at the moment is there seems to be a move away from over reliance on big surveys towards how do we get the barometer in place yeah. Yeah. You know, how do we actually yeah. monitor this yeah. day in day out yeah. 
not with asking you know 50 survey questions every day but actually a couple of indicators we know it's moving in the right direction this is an app kind of idea and we, we developed something yeah. called a state measure of resilience which you can do on your ipad you can do on your mobile phone to find out yeah. Every day, what people are thinking, yeah. or whenever they feel like yes. accessing it. Like wouldn't it be nice? Fun to do as well. I was just thinking, wouldn't that be nice in an NHS thing where all of a sudden everybody's kind of hitting their phone at lunchtime while they're doing it? Yeah. Yeah. Doing this little search, it literally takes yeah. 10 minutes. Yeah. I think it's 10 minutes, yeah. uh, something like that. And, it, and then, it, then it aggregates up and it flashes up hey, we're all feeling yes. pretty good today. Yeah. Great stuff. I, I, something about that, I think, needs to be done. Yeah. Something using the technology to our advantage within the trust within each little kind of unit, not even necessarily, well, maybe the trust, but maybe just units. Try to find a technology that... Because that, if you get smart about that and you can find the right thing, yeah. and actually it has usually got to be something that people enjoy doing. You know, they find yeah, something enjoyable. Way, maybe get something back from it yeah. in real time. It does give you a lot of data, doesn't it? it? Yeah, and what I, what I, I guess what I'm keen uh, about is, um, you know, we can collect a lot of sort of data in the NHS through the staff sure, survey, yeah. but sometimes yeah. we we sort of aggregate it to the point of uselessness. Yeah, I know. You know, so, so, so I can, I can tell you across oh, the NHS yeah. what the average staff engagement score of 1.3 million people is. Yeah. Um, but really, what, what I want is you know that, that's sort of support to, to line manager that says, you know, am I doing the right things in my team today yeah, exactly. to get the best possible Absolutely. care? Yeah. And what is it that will help them do that? What materials can we provide? On a regular kind of basis, Absolutely. rather than the once a yes. year you yeah. get the the employee yeah. engagement survey or the employee survey generally. We got to think. I think we have to think very cleverly but and use technology in a way to do it and make it fun yeah because that's what it's all about well, maybe that maybe in a sense part of the toolkit should be ensuring that we can put in place those those little barometer checks so managers will know if they're making an impact in the right direction um thank you very much dean and kerry for for your input around this and um, if you found this dialogue and conversation interesting one thing we'd, we'd um, welcome is if you join us on Twitter we're going to do a Twitter chat on Monday the 7th of April at 8pm um, around this theme of emotional well-being not just in NHS but you know NHS is the focus here and um, we'll have a hashtag for that which will probably be feeling good today so please join us on that and um, become part of this conversation 